0: All right. Well, Toby, I'm going to switch things around today a little bit. About time. I think... I know, right? I'm actually going to take some initiative. And I thought, you know, you're always kind of bringing these these um, kind of classic, incredible poems or literary references. So I thought, you know what? I think it's about time that I brought a little bit of uh, kind of erudition to the podcast in the form of a uh, of a reading here. So... Yeah. Uh, I have a, an exciting reading for you. I think uh, you'll enjoy it. Um, in fact, it starts with the, the, the word exciting, in fact. Um, <laughs> so it must be. <laughs> the future is exciting. And we believe that blockchain is the future, but blockchain is about as approachable as a bunch of ones and zeros. We want a future for everyone Not one exclusive to Bitcoin miners, VCs, ICOs, and other equally fun acronyms. So, why cats? Pop quiz, hotshot, why not? Cats are impossible to understand. They're ambassadors for pharaohs, memes, and your mom's Facebook page. They don't discriminate. They despise everyone equally. Cats are perfect killing machines with retractable claws, night vision, and teeth on their tongue. But cats also nap whenever they feel like it, and we respect that. More than anything else... Cats are different. They're weird, funny, and hopelessly entertaining. You don't have to understand cats to appreciate them. We're not trying to build the future. We're trying to have fun with it. The future is meow. Hi, this is Darian Bates. And this is Dr. Tobias Wilson-Bates. And this is The Stories We Tell Our Robots. It's the podcast about how we make our technology. And how our technology makes us. Is that like an Old Spice ad? (laughs) It seems like it, right? But no. In fact, that is the catafesto. Yes, the catafesto (laughs) for CryptoKitties. CryptoKitties is uh, essentially... um, Imagine that Bitcoin and um, Furbies had a hellish offspring that was only available on the web. And that is what they are. They are essentially unique digital assets... A.K.A. cats that are that you can you can purchase, breed, sell, um, and they're all digitally unique um, as certified on the blockchain. So they're kind of like
1: um, they're kind of like Beanie Babies or something like something that's like yeah. something that's artificially
0: like valuable because of producing a limited amount. Exactly, they are essentially digital collectibles. Right, but and they're leveraging essentially the same technology that um, is being leveraged for cryptocurrencies. Wow! Right, and right. and because, is, is, are people buying them? Well, of course they are. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> because because people are many things. So let me just give you a little bit more kind of about uh, CryptoKitties. Um, as of December. 12th 2017 is that the latest that they have here? As of December 12th 2017, um, there were 150 thousand registered users on the CryptoKitties website. Over 15 million U.S. dollars in transaction had already occurred, wow. and there were there were over 270 thousand uh, CryptoKitties in existence. Um, I, it makes me think of, like, Bob Barker saying, please, like, spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> <laughs> like, they will run amok! <laughs> yeah, man, so, these these crypto kitties,
1: they're really... Uh, uh, I, I don't even know what to say exactly. I mean, right. I, guess, I guess it seems like a, nat- a natural outgrowth of just cats on the internet.
0: So, I mean, I, they're not... To me, I guess it's it's a lark on one hand, but on the other hand, I think it's really useful to kind of... Um, In our conversations about how we're looking at the evolution of technology, how our narratives are creating technology, and also how technologies are making us and how they're kind of forming our society, I think it's really useful to look at something like kind of where we're playing. They're essentially a playful rendition of what is being done in kind of much shadier ways um, or much more Profitable ways, or much more speculative ways, or whatever you want to call it, but in it's it's a much more approachable, friendlier, punnier um, <laughs> version of what you're seeing happening in cryptocurrency, and in many ways, it's just in kind of digital um, markets in general. And I thought, you know, I think it's I think it's difficult to access the subject, and I think talking about uh, crypto kitties and looking at kind of what what's going on there. It uh, might be another way into it, rather than um, if you go back and listen to our um, Bitcoin episode. I think it gets a little bit dense at places, and I think I did talk for like ten minutes about what is money. <laughs> um, <laughs> and to this day, you always reference our golden plows reference. Yeah. <laughs> of, uh, why people can't make a plow out of gold, and that's why gold works as money. Um, and I think yeah, you see how you see what a good way. reference it is. Right. <laughs> exactly. Our, our golden plows, indeed. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so I wanted to throw this out there and say, um, yeah, wh- I mean, what do you make of crypto kitties? What do you make of it from a, from h- where do you go in terms of what does it mean? Where do, where do you see this kind of picking up in terms of narratives, stories? You know, what do what we to make of this?
1: Yeah, I always I, I always think about um, there's, there's this. There's this uh, Latin term that that shows up in law a lot, the sort of cui bono, um, which is uh, who benefits. You know, like mm. if there's been a crime, who's the most likely person to have committed the crime? Like the first person you check is the person who benefited the most from the crime happening.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm That Are you like saying that
1: crypto kitties is a crime. Well well, we'll get there in the end, I imagine. But <laughs> but um more like something that it that is so intentionally and aggressively fighting meaningfulness by being like mm. Why cats? Here's the Wikipedia entry on what cats are like. And mm-hmm. you know, let's do it meow. And and, and like right. and yet has generated fifteen million or however much million dollars.
0: Yeah, fifteen million in transactions.
1: Like that's one of those things is a joke and one of those mm-hmm. things isn't. You know? Right. And they've been kind of uh coupled with one another in particular ways. And, and and what it strikes me uh when I when I think about this is like There's a lot of great works of art that do this, kind of like that that couple absurdity or the appearance of absurdity with uh, very real, very tactile and very dangerous, like forms of power and control and this kind of thing. It actually makes Mm -hmm. me think of uh, Philip K. Dick, who. uh, Yeah. And people have probably run into his work. um, Probably the, the most known is Blade Runner. Um, mm. Which he didn't write. He wrote a book called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep," and
0: ah.
1: that was was very a, a part of that book was very loosely adapted into Blade Runner. People might also know him uh, recently. I think Amazon did a series uh, on his work called uh, "The Man in the High Castle." Mm, mm-hmm. So, um, a, a pretty impressive writer. And, and I, I wanted to specifically poke at a part of "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep." Which is actually not something that really shows up in a major way in Blade Runner. That mm. Blade Runner is this part of the central character Deckard, he's hunting these replicants who are like sort of escaped humanoid androids that have mm. uh, that were like working off planet and have sort of escaped back to Earth. In in the book, there's a much larger, deeper sort of ecosystem fleshed out, and I'll just point at a couple little parts of that real quick uh, before reading like a little a little quote here. So. Um, Sorry if this is a, a, a little bit longish, but for, for those of you who... I just who, who spent
0: five minutes reading a catafesto. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's true. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Let, Sorry. Let, let, I, let Philip K. Dick run wild.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let the famous... Maybe let the famous author speak for a second. Yeah. Right. Um, so for those of you who can remember the visual spectacle of Blade Runner, it's like this polluted kind of after the bomb world. And in the in the novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, like most humans have moved off planet to another planet. What's left of Earth is like a world with pretty much no natural ecosystem left. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the electric the... sheep. Yeah well, well that I'm getting to that actually exactly oh. that's exactly right that's it's a fun punny title but it also has part of the novel um and there are sort of various components about how people live in the after first of all most of the people left on the planet are specials which are are people who are undesirable can't reproduce have a kind of have various kinds of mental deficiencies and this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and have be, been considered undesirable and therefore left on earth on the dead planet um Then there's this whole thing about Mercer who's kind of a modern Jesus figure. Everybody attaches themselves to these empathy boxes and experiences Mercer's kind of pain and resurrection together. Mm. And then uh, finally, the thing that people value more than anything in this kind of post-apocalyptic future are artificial animals, uh, electric sheep, Mm. (laughs) if you will, Um, because basically all animals have gone extinct. And so suddenly, like a crypto kitty, Uh, an actual kitty in this future world is insanely valuable because Mm. animals are pretty much extinct. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I I was going to read a a little clip from the very end of the book or close to the very end of the book where the central character, Deckard, who you know from Blade Runner, um, although he's not nearly as capable or like sort of doesn't have it together the way Harrison Ford does, he's... He's basically just—he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. The sort of, uh, the f- sort of film noir plot has sort of petered out into meaninglessness. He's just wandering off into the desert. His marriage is a mess. Like he doesn't know what he doesn't know. He spent—he—he he, he hunted all these replicants to get money to buy an electric animal, which then one of the replicants who he slept with then destroys immediately. So
0: wow. that's that's very sad. Actually, I'm weirdly yeah. sad about like like saving up money to buy an electric animal that is then destroyed that just yeah
1: <laughs> yeah She'll so uh it's it's very sad it's very sad and and unlike blade runner which is such a, a such a cogent commentary on sort of like things like toxic masculinity and humanity and you know like the relationship between the maker and the make and the the one that is made um the android dream of electric sheep it's it's it, it, it's almost more just about sort of existential meaning in the modern world, Mm -hmm. you know? So anyway, Mm -hmm. that's a long lead-in to he's wandering in this desert, pretty much everything is meaningless. And he looks down and he sees a toad. Hmm. So uh, this is the quote, I need a box. He squirmed around, saw nothing in the back seat of the hover car. He leaped out, hurried to the trunk compartment, unlocked it and opened it. There rested a, a cardboard container, incited a spare fuel pump for his car. He dumped the fuel pump out, found some furry hempish twine and walked slowly toward the road, not taking his eyes from it. The toad he saw blended in totally with the texture and shade of the ever present dust. It had perhaps evolved meeting the new climate as it had met all climates before. Had it not moved, he would never have spotted it, yet he had been sitting no more than two yards from it. What happens when you find, if you find, an animal believed extinct, he asked himself, trying to remember? It happens so seldom. Something about a star of honor from the UN and a stipend, a reward running into millions of dollars, and of all possibilities, to find the critter most sacred to Mercer, which is, as I said, is this Jesus figure. Jesus, he thought, it can't be. Maybe it's due to brain damage on my part, exposure to radioactivity. I'm a special, he thought. Something has happened to me. And then et cetera, et cetera. I'll, I'll, I'll stop the quote there. But right, so this is his moment, right? Mm-hmm. He he finds a real unique animal. This is like the Crypto Kitty is like a, a sort of presage of this. He takes it home. He's exhausted. He falls asleep. His wife realizes that the toad is also fake. Oh. <laughs> and and oh. then, calls, then calls a repairman and is like, let's fix this toad. It makes my husband happy, you know? (laughs) And that's the end of the book.
0: Oh, oh man, man, really uplifting.
1: Yeah. Oh man. In case you thought the movie was too uplifting. But part of what I found so interesting about this is like, there's no, there is no reason. And there's every reason for a real unique animal to be valuable in this future world. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so interesting to me that CryptoKitties is playing on this in our present world, which is like going through through this, like the largest mass extinction event since, you know, for for thousands of years, um, right. which is caused by this kind of Anthropocene, the, the human moment where we're causing all these animals to go extinct. Suddenly we can like value these little digital replicas.
0: Right. And yet, yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting. And I think one of the things that... Uh I think about there is obviously there's a nice kind of overlap between the the uh obsession with real animals in uh Durand-Joy's dream of electric sheep and you know kind of the fake animals that we're now creating, but the fake but totally unique animals that we're now creating. There's obviously just like, wow, that's that's pretty on the nose in some ways as a comparison, but I think there's also something else kind of happening in that, which is what you know, two things. One of which is like what makes when I think about what makes CryptoKitties interesting and playful for people, but also kind of compelling, is this idea that they can be completely unique. They are useless, they are nothing. And if you want like complete uniqueness, especially if you're in a major city, you could probably a completely unique cat is probably within walking distance. of the <laughs> Yeah, right. It will pee all over your apartment. A completely right. unique <laughs> pee. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like a, uniqueness is totally accessible, and yet somehow this idea of oh, but it's digitally unique, and we're creating this total uniqueness, and that we can now possess this digital asset that's totally unique. Like if you can, comp- if you combine those two things there's somehow additional value that we see in that because crypt- the crypto kitties i mean frankly and i'm not trying to um criticize crypto kitties per se and i think they're they're pretty above criticism in terms of they they've they've self-mocked enough that i'm not entirely sure that anybody can do them harm at this point um but i mean one of the i think the most more disappointing things to me about crypto kitties i found out about CryptoKitties kitties from um a a kind of a vc funder who i follow Um, And I kind of read his newsletter and I kind of get a lot of stuff from him because I think he's just, and he's very interested in kind of the crypto space. And uh, I found out about CryptoKitties about six months ago um, from him. I think he'd invested something in them. And what I thought was kind of what I was hoping for when I finally went, got around to like looking at what this is, I was looking for something a little bit more exciting. Mm -hmm. They're not even particularly like amazing digital assets like in terms of they're kind of like the tamaguchi thing if you remember i think when we were young like you could you know those little eggs that you could raise into like little dinosaurs or something i never i never did them because mm-hmm. I was not cool but um you know this idea of kind of this unique digital asset i think the the uniqueness of it far outstrips any particular value that it has right if you just wanted an amazing digital cat um i'm sure there are great designers out there there are great programmers out there you can you know they're 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 available but there's something about the blockchain quality to this that it is demonstrably unique um but if you want a demonstrably unique cat just go grab a cat right yeah (laughs) like that that is so that we're sitting somewhere in this place of kind of both the organic um thing but also this kind of digital uniqueness which i think it says something about kind of how we are trying to come to terms with this kind of digital space now like as we're living more and more of our lives in this digital space we want something that is unique about it we want something that is approachable about it um and yet in the process of doing that we're kind of we're just kind of creating one hundred fifty thousand cats
1: right right and and the blockchain thing seems weird to me too like right i guess that's the digital uniqueness of it but that also seems right. like such a weird, like you know, you buy like a a pet dog, but it's actually like also a like a laser, you know? Right,
0: right. Well, what's I mean, and one of the things about the blockchain and the use of blockchain in this case, um, and, and to be clear, blockchain is a technology. It is not necessarily. So what I'm going to about to reference um, Bitcoin here and the blockchain as a technology and bitcoin as a particular application of that technology are two different things so you know before mm-hmm. you write in recognize and recognize that we see this as these things as different um but i think one of the things about the cat it's not even clear to me that it's even necessarily better for the environment like that you have that you have digital assets versus like a physical cat like, um, you know, one of the things that I think came out about blockchain and people talking about, well, blockchain is this, you know, Bitcoin is this. It's like it's like digital currency, except it has all these advantages. Um, and then, you know, there is I think the Guardian had an interesting piece at the beginning of this year that actually went looked at how much energy mining for Bitcoin uses. And what they found out that Bitcoin uh, is on pace to use over 42 terawatt. Hours of electricity in a year. Holy placing cow. It ahead. Right. That places ahead of New Zealand and Hungary and just behind Peru. Um, and that's about commensurate with um, the CO2 emissions of about 20 mega- megatons or roughly a roughly um, 1 million transatlantic flights and you know when you when you talk about what is my carbon footprint they say well if you take one flight a year that's already beyond what really is a sustainable carbon footprint and now we're talking about 1 million transatlantic fr- flights just to mine a currency that has questionable value right and so when we talk about digital assets one of the things that i think we think about is yeah well it's at least it's online we you know it's it doesn't have the same kind of physical footprint and the same kind of physical assets that I means physical requirements and physical needs it's not even entirely clear that having a digital cat, especially if it's backed by blockchain technology, is even better for the environment than just having a regular cat.
1: Right. Right. You know, and it's so interesting, actually, that that, that overlaps with another part of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, and so uh, I, I'll, I'll reference this because I think there's a kind of thermodynamics to it, um, mm. right? to so the... The first law, also known as law of conservation of energy, states that energy cannot be created or destroyed in an isolated system. The second law of thermodynamics states that the entropy of any isolated system always increases. So that's its All tendency right, so, towards disorder is what they are right. really meaning there. Um, so right, like crypto kitties as like tending towards pollution. <laughs> like right, as, right. As, and so this this is also this is like one of the underlying elements of the do androids dream of electric sheep world where kind of meaning tends to dissipate and the person who articulates that is a you know scare quote special in the novel named Isidore who kind of lives by himself in this uh, abandoned apartment building Um, and there's this initial conversation he has with one of the escaped replicants who he doesn't realize is a replicant he just thinks she's like a new woman living in his apartment building and he's so excited that there are people and so he's brought up the term kipple with her which is his theory is kind of like he revolves around this term kipple and he's explaining it to her And so he says, uh, the apartments in which no one lives, hundreds of them, and all full of the possessions people had, like family photographs and clothes, those that died couldn't take anything, and those who emigrated didn't want to. This building, except for my apartment, is completely kippalized. Kippalized? She did not comprehend. Kipple is useless objects like junk mail or match folders after you use the last match, or gum wrappers, or yesterday's homeopape. When nobody's around, kipple reproduces itself. For instance, if you go to bed leaving any kipple around your apartment, when you wake up the next morning, there's twice as much of it. It always gets more <laughs> and more. No one can win against kipple, he said. And I, it's a little, I omitted a little bit there, except temporarily, temporarily, and maybe in one spot, like in my apartment, I've sort of created a stasis between the pressure of kipple and non-kipple. For the time being, but eventually I'll die or go away, and then the kipple will again take over. It's a universal principle operating throughout the universe. The entire universe is moving toward a final state of total, absolute kippleization.
0: Yeah. Wow. Is our world moving in towards a total and final uh, state of kippleization? And don't jump in on Apocalypse and Topia yet, because I know that whenever I ask these kinds of questions, <laughs> no, we still got, we, as we still have time. To... But I just think it's so
1: interesting. You know, like, one of the reasons that I think Blade Runner is so different from Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is precisely because the the novel is messy. There's, mm-hmm. like, as you see, there's stuff with, like, toads. There's stuff yep. with, like, kipple. There's mercerism. This whole thing yep. about, like, a pretend future Jesus tied to, like, empathy boxes so everyone can feel pain at the same time. Where right. you're, like... That's that would be hard to fit. Into, although I think there is a series out now. I haven't actually watched it yet, um, called Electric Sheep. But uh, even in a in a series, it would be hard to make all these things operate. Right. Much right. less it's in much, a.
0: It, it's kind of almost like a surrealist sci-fi, and they just kind of took out the surrealism of it, and then just threw in uh, kind of a, a much more kind of finite, realist uh, kind of uh, narrative to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it seems counterintuitive until you realize it's actually very intuitive, <laughs> you know? Right. that, and, and something like CryptoKitty strikes me as playing a lot of these same games, but for a different set of stakes, you know, that, right. that being, being ratcheted onto blockchain and the, as you said, like megatons of pollution right. this is pumping into right. the environment... Um, boy you know that's like it, it is literally tied to this po- post-apocalyptic vision that blade runner runs off of, of like a world filled with smoke where you no longer see the sky you
0: know right right but all right so let me let me take the other side of this for a second because there's also a game that we're playing with crypto kitties and this, this kind of digital asset which is there's a little bit of a proof of concept quality to crypto kitties which is like look hmm. here's this unique digital asset And if you think about the way that when the internet happened, and um, and you think about, was it Sean Parker and Napster and kind of this whole, the realization that you could suddenly get, like digital assets were suddenly essentially free. You ended up in these, you ended up in this really weird space where you you had, where the market value of something and the product value of something, the idea that the, that the actual value of a thing to me was so totally different now than the market value of that thing. Right. 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 I, I really like music that has a lot of value to me, but since it's a digital asset that is essentially infinitely replicable, there is zero market value to it. Um, and it creates this real kind of fracturing of how stuff gets produced, um, and how the people who are producing things can be, um, remunerated for it and I think we'll probably at some point um, I think probably in the very near future I think we already have plans for this we can go a little bit more into kind of little intellectual property and all that kind of stuff but we won't I, I don't want to go into that here but I do think it's worth thinking about playing around with technology to create essentially unreproducible totally unique digital assets yes it's like we're it's like we're having cats basically replicate themselves into our digital space and that doesn't seem like it has that much value to it, but there's also the case that we might very well be able to start creating digital assets that are that are unreproducible um, and are therefore the value that we see in them, which in the case of CryptoKitties is zero for me, but and the value that the market <laughs> sees in them, ironically, which is greater than the value that I personally see, um, can actually be in a little bit more alignment. Um, so right. that the value that I see in music and the market value of that music can actually start moving together again and moving in alignment where people who are producing that value and the people who see that value and are willing to pay for it, you know, you start creating an economy again around, around these things that have kind of real value. Um, and, you know, I, I come from a space where I've worked with a lot of artists and I've worked with a lot of people who produce information in various formats, whether it's writing or whether it's music or, or film or whatever. And The potential promise of something like CryptoKitties does seem to be what if people just couldn't steal your work anymore?
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had this is slightly tangential to that, but I had this thought the other day about how in the 20th century, like so much American power becomes like centralized in these massive sort of information vaults. Things like mm-hmm. nuclear technology or IRS records or NSA, like cyber tools or this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that it, it strikes me that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of those information stores have been leaked since then right. for one reason right. or another. And so it's like, it's like the most valuable things on the planet. The like, you know, the secret to nuclear technology or something like that, like all of this information because of the connectedness of everything is suddenly, I mean, this is obviously like part of the last election cycle and everything, you know, that's like information is just constantly leaking out uh, of these different spaces. And so, you know, is it possible to create information structures that like are
0: uncopyable to like, I don't know, reassert those boundaries? Right. Um, Well, I think I think you'll probably see what happens. So CryptoKitties falls into the kind of what there's this larger conversation right now about blockchain and digital assets and things like that. That is really around this concept of decentralization. So hmm. what you've just described in terms of kind of this this centralization, if you will, of a lot of information into kind of these stores, whether it's the government stores or whether it's corporate stores or things like that. And I think why the crypto culture, I think, in general has has. I think been really galvanized. I think for decades around this idea of kind of decentralizing, and and some of that has been very kind of revolutionary, type speak, very kind of um, you could say dystopian or utopian, depending on how you view it. Um, but it's been about kind of sharing information out there. Again, how interested are we in having in everybody having access to nuclear technology? Um, I think there's there's certainly a problem with it um, when you go from the conceptual to the practical. But there, there is this idea, and what I think is interesting around cryptocurrency in general, is this idea that you can have something be decentralized, but not necessarily be less secure, right? Cryptocurrency is decentralized. It's not the ownership of it isn't captured in one bank, but it's, it's still secure. It's still unstealable, un right? Mm-hmm. At least <laughs> until you can, like, you know, steal somebody's code off of their screen when they're being videotaped. Um, but but that's a very analog way of stealing crypto, a cryptocurrency. Right. Um, and I think you know the you know a digital cat asset or any other type of information asset that can be um, both kind of in a decentralized way secured through something like blockchain starts becoming a really compelling way of making something secure without it having be having been fully owned by a single central power. Um, so I right. think that's you know that's that's the that's the a little kind of jingoistic there in terms of kind of supporting this broader vision about um, kind of the, the, the future of blockchain and what it can do in terms of decentralization. But, but it does sort of promise this idea of information security without information centralization.
1: Yeah. It strikes me that this is, this is a very real problem of the modern world where it's like, I, I love the kind of democratic in some ways, like deeply kind of humanistic idea, idea of like information like unfettered information, you know, sort right. of such that like people in repressive regimes might find a way to have access to like ideas of liberty or people, right. you know, who who have all the ability but none of the access to certain kinds of education can find themselves right. capable. But
0: on the other hand, like I don't want everyone to have my social security number. You right. know. And I think and you're seeing that play out across the internet. I mean, I think one of those things you know, I was recently reading this article about um, about how certain people are be are the term dark web is starting to be thrown out there in all these ways, um, and in, in many cases being misused. I think people like uh, mm-hmm. there was some conservative commentator, someone who was talking about how conservative commentators are now having to like you know, escape the deep state by going to the dark web or something. And when you really looked at what they were talking about, they were talking about YouTube and it's like, well, <laughs> that, that's not the dark web. Yeah. Um But, but meanwhile, the dark web is very useful for Chinese dissidents to actually be able to speak, um to communicate with each other because it actually is a way to get around some of the problems, some of the problems with, um, uh, you know, oppressive government regimes and censure from from the government uh, and censorship from the government uh, of China. So, so it's the dark web is sort of this this space that obviously people have done a number of um, fairly criminal things on there, but it's also a space to um, kind of seek out more freedom in a place where where you might not otherwise have it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think I I, I think we've we've laid out a good. A good a good set of terms to to navigate right. our marquee question crypto kitties apocalypse or utopia
0: <laughs> so i will say that uh just the phrasing of the question crypto kitties, apocalypse or utopia just sounds absurd when you really think about it. These little <laughs> digital cats apocalypse or utopia yeah um, yeah I, I feel like it's like uh, only only Skip Bayless could have a hot take quite so aggressive that says like you know little tiny digital assets could be the way to utopia or apocalypse mm-hmm. um but I, at the same time I think it's a relevant question I think um I think the idea of you know, as as I see it, I've kind of kind of played both sides of this question for a second. But on the one hand, this idea of essentially perpetually and inevitably multiplying detritus in our digital space, possibly consuming masses of, of uh, you know our very physical energy in the process of producing essentially useless yeah. digital assets, um, that seems like it's it's if not a primary cause of our pen- potential apocalypse certainly seems like it's sort of uh, part and parcel with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like an energy suck that by no means is going towards like restoring power to Puerto Rico or something.
0: Right. <laughs> right, exactly. People are like, "Well, Puerto Rico doesn't have power yet, but we have 150,000 digital cats supported on the blockchain." Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right
1: right i'm laughing Um, i'm laughing because that's terrible not because that's. (laughs)
0: exactly let's just be clear we're not laughing about the fact that puerto rico not everyone in puerto rico still has power so um yeah yeah look up that we'll do something on that at some point um but at the same time, I think there are there are uh, kind of real positive sides to this, and one of which that we didn't really discuss, but I think you actually mentioned to me, and I hadn't heard about this, um, but now I'm fascinated by it, this idea of um, cyber-twee, which I think is, uh, mm-hmm. now, now that I've found out about it just today, I will look <laughs> into it more, but uh, it seems like this is also sort of in alignment with that. Yeah, I, I heard about this through Professor Lisa Yazik, who's a, a brilliant science fiction
1: professor here. Um, who I guess had heard about it through her students, I think, maybe. Um, and so what it is, I'll read you the, the beginning of their manifesto. They say, the singularity is dear. Uh, far too long have we succumbed to the bitter edge of the idea that power is lost in the sweet and tender. Romantic is not weak. Feminine is not weak. Cute is not weak. We are fragmented and we are multifaceted BBs. Lack of emotion is oft favored because success is defined as the ability to be mechanical and efficient. But sentimentality, empathy, and being too soft should not be seen as weaknesses. And they go on to talk about some other stuff with corporate reality and solipsism. But um, what I think is interesting about CryptoKitties, if there is a thing that's really interesting about it, is that like you actually have two ideas kind of vying for space there, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them is valuing like a, a polluting technology, like a like a mass kind of blockchain digital. Uh, tech Mm -hmm. and the other is like just loving kitties right (laughs) like right and and
0: what i understand about about uh the cyber twee movement is essentially trying to go into this what is a a typically very very male but also a very typically kind of aggressive power-oriented space of the dark web and from my understanding set up a digital bake sale yeah, right yeah.
1: So yeah, you get you get some cryptocurrency, you learn you get a little handbook about how to navigate the dark web, you go and you make an illicit uh, baking purchase. With the idea that like right. the the dark web isn't d- despite the name and its kind of undertones, it's not like doing magic. It's not it's right. not some evil, powerful, drug-riddled, monstrous thing. It's like it's actually a set of tools that anyone can use. And right. why not access it? And, and gain the power of those tools, um, you know, in kind of cute, accessible, you know, feminine, soft ways. You know, it's a sort of right. like humanizing what is otherwise horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Deckard loving the toad, you right. know, where it's like, how does anyone find meaning in this sort of post-apocalyptic right. world? It's
0: like, well, you you make it. You value right. something, you know. You push back right. against and the Kipple because of your love, you know. And that's exactly what, um, you know, in some ways, that's exactly what CryptoKitties is trying to do. Is right. It's trying to make blockchain accessible by wrapping it in cute and making it less about, um, kind of these aggressive trader, you know, financial traders sort who are dominating this money space, but are more about like, look, we can all play with this concept. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, it really puts me on the fence, I feel like, in terms of actually trying to apply a number to this, which I feel like real kind of our, our future is probably directly tied to this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so in some ways, my my number on this is probably more tied to my belief about what the future is going to be like than my belief about whether this is going to be directly lead to this kind of future. Um so if I give it a negative number, I feel like I'm going to seem not particularly optimistic about the future. <laughs> um look, I I'm going to give it a very hesitant 6. Um because nice. I think ultimately ultimately I feel like blockchain with all its problems um and the idea that we could be spending, you know, the the you know, the the amount of energy that um Hungary is producing just just to produce kind of a what would probably be a totally useless and highly speculative currency within the next twenty four months um, yeah it's a huge waste, but I think in yeah. the process, I do think that the 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 bones of it I think are really valuable, and I think it does create the potential for new things along with um new and very positive things along with some i think some some real problems so uh yeah, I'm gonna give it a six. Um saying that, you know, but that's about I'm largely I'm I'm positive but somewhat ambivalent about the future as well. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'll give it a two. Oh. I think <laughs> you hate themselves so, you hate yourself some kitties. Yeah, I hate oh, I hate these kitties. I hate this kind of kitty. Mm. <laughs> Which is that I think I, I think Cybertwee seems Brilliant. And there's there's lots of interesting stuff to talk about. I mean, George Zimmel is one theorist who talks about objectification and subjectification, which would be an interesting thing for a future blog about, like, or a future pod about um, the ways in which you get into these kind of cold, efficient spaces and, like, start growing, like, vital, mm. like, real connections and value and relations and love and this kind of stuff. But it strikes mm. me that that is a different thing than this. This, I mm. think is a sort of a a wolf in kitten's clothing in terms of yeah uh, yeah yeah, right in in a very real way it's just it is it's like the opposite of cap and trade in that you are now placing value on with a couple little intermediaries creating pollution Mm -hmm. um and and the crypto kitty thing is just like a thin veneer of an idea strapped to the front of that monster you know
0: right Right. And I think, and really when we're talking about pollution, again, I want to be, I want to just reiterate one more time that we understand that Bitcoin has potentially created a lot of pollution in the generation of it. We're not saying that all blockchain applications create um, carbon pollution necessarily. Yeah, that really has to do with the
1: kind of Bitcoin mining process. Right,
0: But this idea of creating pollution in general, creating digital, like Kipple as you say creating even sort of kind of nonsensical digital asset pollution and that you know this these digital assets have to be stored somewhere they have to be you know they 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 are another way of of creating stuff for what purpose mhm mhm right and i think that's yeah well that's pretty you're pretty you're pretty dark on this um <laughs> I, I know now what i'm going to get you for your birthday you are getting yeah oh, man yeah i'm going to i'm going to buy it for you for 3000 Well, 0.003 Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, and I'll get you some dark web cookies.
0: Nice, (laughs) nice. This going to be the best party ever.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Good. I think we nailed it.
0: All right. All right. I look forward to hearing from all the uh, crypto enthusiasts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we'll stop subscribing. Maybe we'll start subscribing just to stop subscribing to to the pod. Oh, man. That would stick it to us, especially if they gave us a
1: five-star rating.
0: Right, right. Exactly. remember everybody uh yeah rate us i i I have it on my list of things to do i was informed that we are not on stitcher which i should know because i have not put us on stitcher uh we're gonna look to uh get us on stitcher in the next uh next week or so so uh i'm i'm sure we're gonna we're gonna come across a lot more uh crypto enthusiasts there so uh, maybe (laughs) we'll wait till after this podcast airs
1: good good all right i'll talk to you later awesome
0: all right love you love you too man bye bye